sorry. I'm like, oh my God. I was just sitting downstairs with the kids. And Hanging I'm like, out. Mm-hmm. <gasps> it's all right. Oh, when I say it has been a week, it has been a week and it's only Tuesday. <laughs> um, right. Do you care now if we go live? I don't mind. Okay. All right. I just wanted to make sure. Um, and then it's Frank Lucas, right? Yeah, I go by Frankie. Okay. Yeah. And then when would you say your addiction kind of took hold? I gotta adjust my light real quick. Um, so it was a it was a long process. Uh, mm-hmm. I I got arrested for the first time when I was fourteen for underage possession of alcohol. Um, I didn't get sober until I was twenty nine. Um, there were seven years in between that I didn't drink, but I was doing drugs and then I got off the drugs and started drinking again. Um, so it was just this long, vicious cycle from, uh, 14 to 29. Um, it was, it was rough. Gotcha. All right. So I'm going to write that down. Um, both of my parents were police officers. Uh, I had wow. good. Sh- I, had, <laughs> I had good structure. Uh, my mom went to law school and raised my brother and I on her own. Um, you know, so I had the good structure. Uh, right, right. But it's just, just you know, so. the thing. Yep. Oh, I know. I had. Um, hold on, I have to move this. I'm sorry. I'm trying to. TikTok doesn't flip like Facebook does. Uh, so you can't, when you plug in your phone, mm-hmm. you can't just flip it. You know, it has to be. And so the cord, of course, is completely in the way. So I have to use my thing, but I've got to get it set to a position where everybody can see you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, re- I don't care if they see me, but <laughs> they need to see you. I really appreciate you asking me to do this. You know, I'm a uh, recovery is my life, you know, and I just made a TikTok uh, less than two months ago and I, I have so much fun on it. You know, I, it's a great creative outlet and mm-hmm. my purpose in life is to help others and spread positivity. And it's a great platform to do it. I, I agree. I completely agree. And when I first came on here two years ago, yes, this thing is a huge hassle. When I first came on here, um, like two years ago, I'm going to move it. The, of course it's all tangled because why not? The, um, the recovery scene on TikTok wasn't this huge. It just wasn't. And, um, it has exploded. It really has. I mean, it has absolutely blown up. I see that. And I, I, I wasn't sure about getting, you know, into the niche, you know, it's what I do in my personal life, but I guess that's what it is because that's just what I do in my personal life. Um, I'm how I'm trying to grasp who to follow and who to follow back. Right. Right. (laughs) I know because I'm like a no bullshit kind of guy, you know, I want like solid, you know, recovery. I want to be able to help everybody, but I'm, I'm having trouble with, uh, seeing that with everybody. Yeah, here's okay. 
So this is one on one, you and me. Yeah. There are people on the app that I absolutely adore, but singing and dancing and, you know, whatever is not going to get people clean. Sure. You know, and there's a place for that. Absolutely. That's cute. That's, you know, the uh, TikTok is about a lot of that, mm. but that can't be all it's about. And then how many, uh, how long have you been clean? So, uh, for a little over four years. Okay. Well, the other small problem that I have is, pardon me, um, people with very little time telling other people how to be sober. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of, so, I mean, I'm, I don't know my home group. It's a men's home group. It's no bullshit. And we're like, you know, work the steps or die, you know, yeah, kind of yeah. kind of thing, you know, and it's kind of how I am just by, by nature. Cause that's what I'm around. But yeah. Mine used to say, take the cotton out of your ears and stick it in your mouth. That's right. And learn something, you know? And so it's like, <laughs> I, you know, the people that are just posting and they're like, I have 30 days, I have 30 days. That's perfect. It's perfect great. for you. Yeah. Yes. You know, perfect. <laughs> but we're kind of worshiping the wrong people. Yeah. And I, tr that's why I try and find, um, you know, for, for, me, uh, mainly dealing with women, I will find, uh, and I just, I'm so excited because it's going to be in the um, Sober sober Curator. It's uh, the online lifestyle magazine. Cool. Um, yeah, follow them, Sober Curator. They're on TikTok. And I just got interviewed by them. And um, <laughs> the thing, I'm like, there's nothing, let me, let me paraphrase, but there's nothing wrong with this. Like, but I'm a nerd. I'm a big geek. And Sober queens, recovery queens. I'm like, screw that. I'm a Jedi. I'm a sober Jedi. And I'm like, zero to five years is Padawan. Five sure. to 10 is Jedi. And anything over 10 is Jedi Master. So I try and find the women who are Jedi Masters. And I'm like, these are the women you need to be following. These yeah. are the women that are going to show you how to stay clean. <laughs> like, they've clearly got it, you know? So, yeah, yeah I try and kind of post videos of them <laughs> nice well i'm i'm all for it and this was perfect timing i'm um i don't know i've been chipping away at it and i think i might get to a thousand followers today that'd be I'm awesome 969 right now oh and cool and then like, you can go live yeah and like what's cool about it is that i'm having surgery tomorrow on my knee so i'm gonna be out for six weeks you know right. so I'll, i wanted to get to that point of live when i'm going to be laid up you know right. what kind of surgery acl meniscus i had acl reconstructive surgery yeah <sighs> that's fun i was 19 though it's probably a lot better now than it was you know in 1997 6 1996 <laughs> <laughs> i was playing soccer i'm excited for the quality of life that'll come you know i've been sober four years but i don't know what it's like to not live with it you know i've had it right. for seven years and it's been injured so many times so where oh, yeah i don't know what it, it's like it so out on you doesn't it yeah oh yeah all the time oh, but i can't horrible. that is such a gross feeling oh. i remember that happening i grew up playing ice hockey and you know skiing and i just don't do it you know 
right. that's what I told my surgeon. I'm like, look, man, I I can't live to my full potential and these things that I want to do in life, I can't do. And he's like, all right, let's do it. Yeah, definitely. All right. So what I do is right now we're side by side um, and I will introduce the podcast and then I will kind of intro you and then I put it on um, speaker view. So, you know, it's mainly on you so that you're not monologuing. I'll ask questions, make comments. You know, it's more conversational. Okay. So, because cool. that way it's not just you trying to like fill time and, you know. I've, d- I've done a few. Um, I do pub and I do public speaking quite a bit. I actually just did a podcast earlier today with a guy in California, um, which is cool. I, I had this one lined up and then he, uh, he reached out to me and uh, that was, that was cool. Yeah. And again, I'm so sorry for being late. I'm glad okay. you sent me something because, oh my God. Now, um, should I keep my name as Frankie or should I put Frankie at my tag or? No, well, whatever you want to do. I shouldn't say no, whatever you want to do. Because what I'm going to do is at the end, I'm going to ask everybody or I'm going to ask you where everybody can find you. Okay. So cool. you can, you can tell them. And it also says front row Frankie on the live. Cool. So, yeah. This yeah. is exciting. So I'm going to hit this. Hopefully they can see at least one of us. There we go. I'm going to put it on you. Yay. And it's still plugged in. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Recovery Scene. I am really excited to have Frankie Lucas, aka Front Row Frankie, on TikTok. Uh, he is here, and I have a feeling he's going to be a good time. <laughs> He's here to uh, tell his story. One of the things that really blew me away. So you were arrested at 14 for the first time, but um, Frankie, go ahead and tell them about mom and dad. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I've been arrested more times than I can count um, for drugs and alcohol, but uh, both of my parents were police officers. My dad uh, is a retired cop and uh, my mom was a cop for 12 years and then went on to law school. You know, so I had that good structure, uh, you know, from a young age, but uh, I also, you know, made a lot of bad decisions and they kind of let me learn from those. Yeah, I was going to say when when you got arrested, how how did they let you how did they deal with it? Well, I do come from a divorce household, so it was just my mom, but uh, she knew a lot of the people, you know, she knew the the cops and actually that got me out of trouble several times, you know. Um, was people, you know, that she knew whether I just got dropped off, um, or not arrested. Um, but you know, I, it was, it embarrassed her quite a bit, I would say. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine, you know, that's, I wonder if people kind of hold, um, parents like police officers, you know, to a higher standard, you know. I mean, I've, there's always that, hard. <laughs> they always say, you know, cops, kids, you know, and preacher's daughters, you know, things like that, you know, we, it, uh, it happens. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So what I want is a beginning, a middle and an end. So tell, tell us all about it. Okay, cool. How um, started. All right. Uh, I'll just tell my story. Absolutely. Um, cool. You know, uh, well, first off, you know, I'm, uh, raging alcoholic with a crippling drug addiction, you know, in a nutshell, that's it. Um, you know, I, uh, I don't know, man, I, I was told, you know, 
kind of from a young age, you know, about alcoholism, about addiction. You know, I, uh, I was warned about it from my mom and my dad because it happened on, in their families. You know, I was uh, born outside of D.C., but raised in Boston, Massachusetts. Um, right outside, my mom went to law school there and I played ice hockey. I played baseball and had all these things kind of set out for me to do things the right way. You know, even from a young age, I was always disruptive. I was always the class clown. I was always getting in trouble and things like that, you know. Um, so ever before I took a drink or a drug, you know, I was uh, I was that kid. Right. Right. Um, Did you ever feel like because this is kind of a recurring theme in our interviews. Did you ever feel like no matter how much you did or how many friends you had, you just didn't quite fit? Sure. You know, I was uh, I was a chameleon, too. You know, I was always fitting, you know, in a sense, fitting in with everybody, you know, right. I don't know whether it was, I want to be accepted or what, but that's kind of what happened. Um, when I was 12, I, I went through a culture shock. Really. I moved from, uh, Boston, Massachusetts to Blacksburg, Virginia. Um, Blacksburg is a gorgeous town in the middle of the mountains. Um, you know, we have Virginia tech and Radford university there. Um, so it's a college town, you know, but there's not really much else to do, but the drinking and drugs are widely accepted, you know? So I think I drank to fit in or I drank to be cool. But I think because of my genetics, I drank alcoholically from the very first time, you know, and there was nothing cool about the way that I drank. Um, I used to think that it was cool that I could outdrink everybody. But honestly, you know, looking back, it was just my alcoholism in full effect at a young age. Right. Um, got arrested for the first time when I was 14 for underage possession of alcohol. By the time I was 18, you know, I had a, uh, six underage possession of alcohols, a DUI. I was in the juvenile detention center twice. I was on house arrest for six months. I uh, got sent to an adult prison for a scared straight program, got sent oh, to wow. a mil military school and got kicked out. And um, I was expelled from my high school senior year for drinking with an ankle bracelet on, you know, and I was cold ordered to good rehab. I went to rehab and, uh, you know, I thought, well, you know, drinking's my problem. So I stopped drinking. You know, I, uh, I didn't drink from 18 to 25. You know, I didn't have a drop, um, but I was never sober. I was never clean because once I stopped drinking, you know, I started using other substances you know, replace one for another. Mm -hmm. um, what really took a hold of my life was opiates, um, you know, uh, cocaine and marijuana, what are these other substances, but opiates, you know, really took a hold of my life in the sense that it, you know, I became physically dependent on it. You right. know, when I became right. now, were you just introduced to those through friends? Well, it was but from an injury and in, in high school, um, I broke my back in a car accident. So, you know, I remember the way that they made me feel. They made right. me feel really good. But I didn't know that when you don't have them, you feel really bad, you know, and then once you're stuck on it, it's kind of like, it, that's just what you do. And, you know, and that really took a hold of my life. Um, it was, you know, using, living to use and using to live, um, you know, and I, uh, I ran all aspects of my life, damaged relationships. Um, and I thought I tried the, the geographic change. So I moved to Florida with a girl and uh, she was a great girl and, uh, I lied, manipulated, and stole from that relationship, and uh, she ended up leaving, rightly so. Um, but when she left, you know, I, I didn't know how to take care of myself. So after that month, you know, I couldn't pay the rent or my phone or anything, and I was left homeless. And um, I was homeless, you know, in Florida, you know, 500 miles away from home, um, sleeping underneath, you know, parking garage steps and in gas station bathrooms and behind churches and, you know, again, living to use and using to live. And uh, I would go to the clinic in the morning and do whatever I had to do throughout the day to uh, put what I could in my arm at night. Because by that time, I had already crossed that uh, 
you know, point of no return of IV drug use. Right, right. Yeah, it's progressive. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, I, I did that for, for almost six months. Um, and then I thought, well, I need to get off these drugs. You know, I thought the drugs were the problem. And I, I came back to Virginia. Um, I put myself through those withdrawals, you know, that I feared so much. I was between the bedroom and the bathroom for five days. I didn't come out of the house for a week. Um, but when I got through that, you know, uh, my mind started to clear and my body started to feel better. And I thought, wow, I'm not addicted to these drugs anymore. Maybe I can drink again. You know, and it wasn't so long in between that I started drinking again. And, uh, you know, although I hadn't drank in seven years, you know, I picked up exactly where I left off in the sense that, you know, all I needed was bottom shelf liquor, um, take, you know, and I drank hard liquor right out of the bottle, you know, um, a liter a day. And the way that I drank is that I uh, take a bottle of liquor and I take the cap off and I throw it away. Uh, cause that means I'm going to finish the bottle. You know, if somebody else has a bottle of liquor, uh, behind their back, I'm taking the cap and I'm throwing it away. And they're like, where's my bottle? And I'm like, well, I don't know, but I guess we got to finish it. Yeah. It was always so strange to me that yeah. people could have liquor in a cabinet it, and, and it's, it's just sitting there, I mean, yeah. you know, like that, that was always amazing to me. It, yeah. to the, as, as a matter of fact, you know what? I'm still an alcoholic. So it still is. It's still amazing to me. Like. That would be gone. Yeah. That would be gone. I, I get it. It doesn't make any sense. And, uh, you know, I um, also the way that I drink is that uh, if I go to a bar or a show, you know, I have to be at the perfect distance in between the the bar, the bathroom, and the stage so I can get what I want when I want. And I'm going to push my best friend and my girlfriend out of the way to make sure that I get a drink first. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, after I started drinking again, uh, alcohol, I've done – all drugs, every drug, every which way, but uh, alcohol really breaks me down um, very quickly, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and physically. Yes. You know, I thought, well, I'm already drinking. I might as well do the drugs too. So then it was just this vicious cycle of drinking and drugs, you know, and of um, I was doing anything and everything and finding ways and means to get more, you know, that was, that was my life. And, you know, it was hard. It was a struggle. And um, I, I went through a lot and um, there's a couple of different times where doctors told me that, uh, that I was going to die. You know, I, uh, I'll share one instance with drugs and one with alcohol because um, yeah. it really wraps up what, you know, addiction and alcoholism for me, you know, with my alcoholism, you know, I had to go to the hospital, get some stitches on my forehead here, which for me was no big deal. You know, I thought uh, I've had a lot of stitches, a lot of broken bones, a lot of weird injuries and, figured I'd be back in an hour. So I took my friend's car, um, 2 AM, you know, one eye, one arm bleeding profusely driving. Um, yeah, the head bleeds a lot. Oh, it was, it was an alcohol in your system to thin out the blood. <laughs> it was everywhere. It was a mess. Um, so I, I get there and I get stitched up and this doctor comes in and says, you know, I don't know how you're walking, talking, comprehending anything. I cannot believe you drove here. But by the time we took your BAC, it was at a 0.39. So I was driving there with a 0.4 BAC, holding a conversation with this man. He tells me 0.4 on paper is comatose or death, you know, for a normal average human being. My only explanation to him was that I was an alcoholic. And my honest only concern was that I wanted to leave because I still had more vodka at the house. Right. You know, right. With my uh, drug addiction, um, I was using IV drugs. Um, I had an uh, an infection on my arm. I wasn't really sure. Sh- I, I knew something was wrong. I called another friend of mine, using friend, 
said, Hey man, come over. It's two o'clock in the morning. Um, I had waited three days to even like really tell anybody. And he calls me and all right, he comes over and um, he's like, dude, you need to go to the hospital now. And I'm like, no, man, I'll go tomorrow. You know, um, it's okay. He's like, no, dude, you need to go now. So I went, you know, and um, with all those previous hospital trips that I've had, I've never had a quicker one than this in the sense that they had me on the operating table within an hour. Oh, wow. Um, they, uh, I have a scar here on my arm. Um, looks like a dog bite, you know, um, but I was in the hospital for a week for seven days. Um, and the infection had spread almost to my armpit. It was like up to my armpit and almost down to my wrist. So you were going um, septic. Yeah. And they said, if I would like, I think on the operating table, they just made a decision, like keep the arm or not keep the arm. They said, if I would have came an hour later, they would have taken my arm. They said 12 hours later, it would have moved up to my neck and I would have, mm. would have died. Um, so in the hospital seven days over Thanksgiving, my family had to bring me Thanksgiving dinner, my poor dear, dear sweet mother. Um, you know, and, uh, I continued to use after that, you know, and what that tells me with the drinking and the drugs is that I will drink and I will, you know, I will drink until I'm going to die. You know, my body can physically be on the verge of death and my mind will still be telling me that I'm okay. You can do yeah. one more, you know, yeah. and that really sums it up for me. That is the um, nature of the disease. And that, um, that is what some people don't understand is the brain chemistry actually changes. It changes. And it's not just your body telling you, you have to have it, you know, or if we do it, we're going to die. But our body is telling us if we don't have it, we feel like we're going to die. And um, we've also done something. We've got that reward center in our brain mm -hmm. and it stops firing so easily because it doesn't have to. So sure. we're getting that reward from the drugs and from the alcohol. So the chemistry in the brain is changing and it's telling us we can handle more and we need yeah. more. It's yeah. crazy. It is, it's wild. And um, I had that you know, realization that I was gonna die. All those not yets, I crossed them all out. The only not yet that I haven't had is that I didn't die. Um, yeah. You know, and I, I, I didn't wanna put my, uh, my mother through the same thing that uh, my grandmother went through with my grandfather. Um, he died with a 0.4 BAC in a drunk driving accident. Um, I didn't want to put my mother through the same things, you know, what she went through with her brother. You know, he hung himself with a six pack of beer and a pack of cigarettes next to him. Oh, or what, you know, her uncle with liver failure or her nephew with a drug overdose. You know, I didn't want to put my mother through the same things that my best friend's mothers have went through. You know, I've lost a lot of friends. I've spoken at a lot of funerals. I've carried a lot of caskets, you know, and I didn't want to do that. And um, I reached out for help. Um, I was fortunate that I knew about 12-step recovery since I was 15 years old. I knew that recovery was possible. Um, I reached out to my brother who lived up in the D.C. metro area. Um, he's much older than me. He's from my dad's side of the family. And uh, he, um, he got me into a program. You know, I, I came up to Northern Virginia. Um, I didn't have a dime to my name. I didn't have health insurance. Um, I didn't have nice shoes. I didn't have nice clothes. I had 13 out of 28 teeth. Mm. I was dying and I was, you know, I had the sincere desire to change and the courage enough to ask for help. You right. know, when I did that, you know, things started to change, you know, but I had this mindset that I have to do my recovery as hard as I did my drinking and as hard as I did my using. And that's very hard every day. Mm -hmm. You know, so I hit the ground running, you know, and 
2016, October 4th. Um, you know, and I haven't stopped, you know, I, I took all the suggestions. I made recovery in my life. I changed all the people, places, and things, you know, I surrounded myself with winners, you know, and I did that, you know, and I do it like my life depends on it because it does. Right. You know, um, and my life has changed tremendously. You know, I, uh, I'm just happy and grateful to be alive. You know, I find gratitude in every situation and I have a connection with God or higher power um, that guides me through my life. You know, I try to see God in everything or else he's nothing, you know, and um, my life is good today. My mother is happy. You know, I have my mother here, you know, and these are, these are things that are, are important for me. Um, I have my mother. I have the tale of two wolves. If you're not real sure mm -hmm. about it, look it up. You know, the good and the bad, they're both inside me, you know, but which, which one wins, you know, the one that I feed, you know, this exactly. one really reminds me of recovery. Um, Cause it's a hand reaching out and touching something, you know, helping one another. And it's got the, um, you know, uh, the time. So I think of like um, the responsibility statement from 12 step fellowship, you know, anyone, anywhere reaches out for help. I want the hand to be there, you know, and for that I am responsible. You know, so I, I surround myself in recovery um, to where it gives me a really good life. You know, every night when I go to sleep um, and I take my own inventory and I look at my day, whatever happens throughout my day, you know, I end it with saying, you know, today was a good day. Life is good. I have bad moments throughout the day, but I don't have to have bad days. And that's what recovery has given me is that even with everything that happened last year in 2020, I did not have a bad day. I, uh, I had bad moments, um, but I didn't have bad days. That's right. That's right. There's 24 hours in a day. Even if two of those hours absolutely sucked, you still have the other 22. Yeah. <laughs> you for know, sure. it's, it's attitude is everything. And it's really our choice, whether we allow bad days, Sure. you know, the most horrible things can happen, but it's our decision as far as how it affects us, you know? I, uh, I have a choice today and everything, you know? Um, I have a choice and I make it really simple, you know, positive or negative. That's the only two choices I have. Um, so I choose positive, you know, um, alcoholic death or spiritual way of life. You know, I'm going to choose the spiritual way of life. You know, God is everything or else he's nothing. You know, I'm going to choose God as everything. You know, I think of like, you know, change your perspective, change your life. You know, um, exactly. That's 100%. I tell it to people all the time. Yeah. It's, it's all about perspective. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. And, uh, my goal in life, you know, as of right now is to be an honest, sober man of good character. That's my mantra for myself, you know, and I have to break that down, you know, and say, well, what is that, you know, and really dissect it, but I have to take the actions to be an honest, sober man of good character, you know, and if, um, if I, if I were to die today, you know, I think I would be at peace because my goal is to say for somebody speaking at my funeral, whether it's tomorrow or 25 years from now is to say, Frankie was an honest, sober man of good character. And he helped a lot of people That's that right. would bring me peace. That would make my mother happy. You know, that's the true gift is to, um, is to be the man that I, uh, I think God wants me to be.
that's right. That's, that's, that's powerful. You know, that, that's a excellent statement to say to yourself on a daily basis. You yeah. know, we have to be intentional. Who do we want to be? Who do you want to be? Okay. Mm -hmm. Then be that you're yeah. going to have, it's not just going to happen to you. Yeah. You are going to have to put the work in and then whether you're an addict or not, everything you want is on the other side of your comfort zone. Sure. My it life is, you'd have it already. My life is filled with doing a bunch of things that I don't want to do. That's right. That's, That's right. you know, <laughs> but the coolest thing is the more you do that stuff, the bigger your comfort zone gets. Yeah. You know, it only sucks like maybe twice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, And then you're like, Oh, walking like you own the place. You know, yeah. it, you just have to do it. You've got to do it. You know, yeah. Frankie, thank you so much for coming on here and, and telling us your story and thank you, you know, helping us hopefully save lives and change lives. That's it, man. You know, if we can help one person, I was just talking to somebody about this earlier today. I, I speak to a lot of kids in schools, middle schools and high schools. And, uh, you know, I've talked to thousands of kids, you know, and usually there's one and, you know, there's 30 people in a classroom, but if we can help one person, that trickle effect from saving one kid from an overdose, you know, one person on this live, you know, for asking for help, you know, it affects the parents, the grandparents, the employers, the friends, the family, you know, that trickle effect from the life of one is tremendous. Mm -hmm. So that's my purpose, man. I have to end every day and say, who am I helping? Who have I helped? You know, exactly. I can exactly. really base how good I'm doing or how good of a day it was by how many people I've helped. And that's the key to life for me. If you were to say, Frankie, what's the key to life? I would say helping others helps myself. That's it. I'm a selfish, self-centered alcoholic, so I want to help myself. So how do I do that? The trick is, is to help others. That's right. That's right. And it helps us in, in a positive way. It yeah. really does. You know, I always tell always. people that comment on my, on my videos and talk about, oh, you're so awesome. I'm like, no, you are. <laughs> because <laughs> you're the one feeding me. Yeah. You know, every time you say things like you helped save my life or I've been clean for 30 days because of you or whatever, you fill my tank. You yeah. know, I'm blessed by every single one of those kind of comments. Yeah. And yeah, in a, uh, in a selfish, you know, typical alcoholic way, I want that. <laughs> yeah, I get it. It's so true. Oh, well, that's going to do it for us for another episode of The Recovery Scene. Thank, Thank you, you so all much. for listening. Make sure you subscribe and like. I always forget to say that in my videos. I really do. But, you know, hopefully it just goes without saying, you guys. Subscribe and like. And we will see you all next time. Remember, addiction isn't pretty, but recovery is beautiful. Be safe out there. Bye. And we're done.